Ooh, that's spooky. I can hear myself. There we go. Hello. Oh, man, I knew there was something. My lighting. Rats. Uh, maybe this is going to be spooky stream today, because I don't know if my iPad is charged enough to handle doing lighting today. Audio's good, images are a little slow, and set as center image. Set as center image? What you talking about, girl? Alright, just a second. Let me see if I can pull together my lights. Well, uh, looks like today is just going to be Spooky Sam stream. I'm Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. Welcome. Um, we're going to be reading Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Chapter 13, with what is clearly some sort of amorphous Patronus behind me. Uh, you know, you get some lovely imagery up here. can see exactly what's going on as you can see my Patronus is a cloud and my face is purple it's gonna be a good stream nonetheless so um, we're gonna go we're gonna go we're gonna do a quick recap as we always do of what happened last time because it was a pretty exciting chapter and then we're gonna move into chapter 13 I'm gonna try to move quick today I don't trust the internet um, Hopefully we can make it all the way through the chapter. If not, we'll come back to it again next time. Um, so, last time, chapter 12 of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Where were we at? Wood is all concerned because Harry has to be in detentions when he could be practicing. Um, uh, excuse me, no, 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 not detentions. Okay, this is tough because I am... <laughs> I am still in in I'm in the process of a couple of different read-throughs out loud, so sometimes I forget which book I'm in. Am I in book three or book six? No one was in book six. But there are issues. Harry isn't supposed to be flying. He's not he he's had some issues with McGonagall trying to keep him safe, maybe a little too safe, in Harry's opinion. Um He's not supposed to be outside of the castle, certainly not after dark, but even Quidditch practice she's gotten a little bit, mm, a little antsy about. Um, she does let him go back, but as you guys may remember, he received a present, an interesting present. Um, his broom got all bashed up by the Whomping Willow. And for Christmas, some unnamed source gives him a firebolt. Now, this is like a Cadillac of brooms. Like, imagine getting, like, imagine having somebody, <laughs> you know, you, you, it's Christmas Day, you've opened up all your presents, and you go outside to get the mail, and somebody has left you uh, a motorcycle. It doesn't tell you who it comes from, anything like that. Uh, Hermione's pretty sure that this is Sirius Black's doing, the dangerous fugitive Sirius Black. It's a pretty good instinct to have. Um... And McGonagall confiscates the broom as a result. Of course, Ron and Harry are furious. Um, 
but Wood tries to talk to her to get it back. And let's see. Uh, Harry continues to practice with Lupin regarding the uh, the Dementors. He has begun uh, some classes with Lupin, some, I guess, tutoring, I guess it would more closely be called. Um, how to handle Dementors, essentially. He's had some trouble in the past, and uh, because Dementors seem to affect him so much more than other people, he's been talking to Lupin a lot about what are Dementors, where do they come from, how to deal with them. That's where Patronuses come in. And having varied success. He hopes to improve, but he's not getting better as quickly as he would like. This is a pretty common thing with Harry. He's not a patient human being. At the end of the chapter, he does, in fact, get his firebolt back. Look how gorgeous it is. Look at this. Hogarth's studio from Art Station did this gorgeous rendition. You can see some of the sketch work. You can see some of that some of that nice... Um, oh, shoot, what is it called? It's not Kintsugi. That's the... That's the pottery one. There's a there's a name for this art style. You can see it in the middle of the broom, uh, where you take wood wood grain and then burn it a little bit so that it, it's got some nice detailing on it. Can't remember what it's called. It's very cool. Um, but that's kind of where we're at. Harry's got his broom back, and as ever, just you know, this is a good reminder for the whole series. He's suspicious of Snape. What is it this time? Who even knows? No, he's, uh, he's suspicious of Snape right now because Snape has been apparently providing Lupin with potions to drink to cure some sort of, you know, malady or fatigue or illness that, that uh, Lupin is experiencing. And, I don't know, it seems like Lupin trusts Snape for whatever reason. Strange times at Hogwarts High. So, assuming my stream... Uh, sort of levels out for a moment. We're having some, some atrocity happening. Hopefully it's a brief atrocity. Um, but then we're going to get... As usual, assuming you can hear me at all, if you've got anything you'd like to discuss from this chapter while we're going on, go ahead and put it in chat. I'd love to talk about it. Um, I may pause in in the uh, middle of the chapter if I can find a good stopping place, or we will uh, we'll save it and we'll talk about it at the end of the chapter. So, let's get into it for today. Chapter 13, Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw. Oh, wait, 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 hold on, hold up. There's something I didn't mention, because it happened at the very end. Um, <sighs> Crookshanks. Hermione's cat uh, attacked Scabbers. There's uh, blood everywhere in the common room. It would appear that uh, it would appear that Crookshanks is the culprit, and Scabbers is gone. As you can see from the picture, Scabbers is on Ron's shoulder. That is inaccurate. He's gone. I tell you. Um, but uh, it's it's a dangerous time for this friendship. Okay, sorry. Here we go. Chapter 13, Gryffindor vs. Ravenclaw It looked like the end of Ron and Hermione's friendship. 
Each was so angry with the other that Harry couldn't see how they'd ever make up. Ron was enraged that Hermione had never taken Crookshanks' attempts to eat Scabbers seriously, hadn't bothered to keep a close enough watch on him, and was still trying to pretend that Crookshanks was innocent by suggesting that Ron look for Scabbers under all the boys' beds. Meanwhile, Hermione maintained fiercely that Ron had no proof that Crookshanks had eaten Scabbers, that the ginger cat hairs might have been there since Christmas, and that Ron had been prejudiced against her cat ever since Crookshanks had landed on Ron's head in the magical menagerie. Personally, Harry was sure that Crookshanks had eaten Scabbers, and when he tried to point that out to Hermione, that all the evidence pointed that way, she lost her temper with Harry, too. All right, and if I'm doing Hermione voice today, I'm going to need water, so I'll be right back. How do you like that brewing potion noise when I drink? Is it pleasant? Does it add to the experience? Okay, side with Ron. I knew you would, she said shrilly. First the firebolt, now scabbers. Everything's my fault, isn't it? Just leave me alone, Harry. I've got a lot of work to do. Ron had taken the loss of his rat very hard indeed. Come on, Ron. You were always saying how boring Scabbers was, said Fred bracingly. And he's been off colour for ages. He was just wasting away. It was probably better for him to snuff it quickly. One swallow. He probably didn't feel a thing. Fred, said Ginny indignantly. All he did was eat and sleep, Ron. You said it yourself, said George. He bit Goyle for us once, Ron said miserably. Remember, Harry? Yeah, that's right, said Harry. His finest hour, said Fred, unable to keep a straight face. Let the scar on Goyle's finger stand as the lasting tribute to his memory. Oh, come on, Ron. Get yourself down to Hogsmeade and buy a new rat. What's the point of moaning? In a last-ditch attempt to cheer Ron up, Harry persuaded him to come along to the Gryffindor team's final practice before the Ravenclaw match, so that he could have a ride on the Firebolt after they'd finished. This did seem to take Ron's mind off Scabbers for a moment. Great. Can I try and shoot a few goals on it? So they set off for the Quidditch field together. Madame Hooch, who was still overseeing Gryffindor practices to keep an eye on Harry, was just as impressed with the firebolt as everyone else had been. She took it in her hands before takeoff and gave them the benefit of her professional opinion. Oh, look at the balance on it! If the Nimbus series has a fault, it's a slight... It's a slight list to the tail end. You often find that they develop a drag over the few years. They've updated the handle, too. A bit slimmer than the Queen sweeps. It reminds me of the old silver arrows. A pity they stopped making them. I learned to fly on one. Very a fine old broom it was, too. She continued in this vein for some time, until Wood said, Uh, Madam Hooch, is that okay if Harry has the firebolt back? We need to practice. Oh, right, here you are then, Harry, said Madam Hooch. I'll sit over here with Weasley. She and Ron left the field to sit in the stadium and the Gryffindor team gathered around Wood for his final instructions for tomorrow's match. Harry, I just found out he's... Uh, 
Harry, I've just found out who Ravenclaw's playing as the Seeker. It's Cho Chang. She's a fourth year, and she's pretty good. I really hoped she wouldn't be a fit, but... You know, she's had some problems with injuries. Wood scowled at his displeasure that Cho Chang had made a full recovery, then said, On the other hand, she rides a Comet 260, which is going to look like a joke next to the Firebolt. She gave, mm, he gave Harry's broom a look of fervent admiration, then said, Okay, everybody, let's go! And at long last, Harry mounted his Firebolt and kicked off from the ground. It was better than he'd ever dreamed. The firebolt turned with the slightest touch. It seemed to obey his thoughts rather than his grip. It sped across the field at such a speed that the stadium turned into a green and grey blur. Harry turned it so sharply that Alicia Spinett screamed. Then he went into a perfectly controlled dive, brushing the grassy field with his toes before rising thirty, forty, into the air again. Harry! I'm letting the snitch out! Wood called. Harry turned and raced a bludger toward the goalpost. He outstripped it easily, saw the snitch dart out from behind Wood, and within ten seconds he had caught it tightly in his hand. The team cheered madly. Harry let the snitch go again, gave it a minute's head start, and then tore after it, weaving in and out of the others. He spotted it lurking near Katie Bell's knee, looped her easily, and caught it again. It was the best practice ever. The team, inspired by the presence of Bolt in their midst, performed their best moves faultlessly. And by the time they hit the ground again, Wood didn't have a single criticism to make. Which, as George Weasley pointed out, was a first. I can't see what's going to stop us tomorrow, said Wood. Not unless... Harry, you've sorted out your uh, Dementor problem, haven't you? Yeah, said Harry, thinking of his feeble Patronus and wishing it were stronger. The Dementors won't turn up again, Oliver. Dumbledore would go ballistic, said Fred confidently. Well, let's hope not, said Wood. Anyway, good work, everyone. Let's go back to the tower. Turn in early. I'm staying out for a bit. Ron wants to have a go on the firebolt. Harry told Wood, and while the rest of the team headed off to the locker rooms, Harry strode over to Ron, who vaulted the barrier to the stands and came to meet him. Madame Foot, <laughs> Madame Hooch had fallen asleep in her seat. Here you go, said Harry, handing Ron the firebolt. Ron, an expression of ecstasy on his face, mounted the broom and zoomed off into the gathering darkness while Harry walked around the edge of the field, watching him. Night had fallen before Madame Hooch awoke with a start, told Harry and Ron off for not waking her, and insisted that they get back inside the castle. Harry shouldered the firebolt, and he and Ron walked out of the shadowy stadium, discussing the firebolt's superbly smooth action, its phenomenal acceleration, and its pinpoint turning. They were halfway toward the castle when Harry, glancing to his left, saw something that made his heart turn over. A pair of eyes gleaming out of the darkness. Harry stopped dead, his heart banging against his ribs. What's the matter? said Ron. Harry pointed. Ron pulled out his wand and muttered, Lumos, 
A beam of light fell across the grass, hit the bottom of a tree, and illuminated its branches. There, crouched among the budding leaves, was Crookshanks. Get out of here! Ron roared, and he stooped down and seized a stone lying on the grass, but before he could do anything else, Crookshanks had vanished with one swish of his long ginger tail. See? Ron said furiously, chucking the stone down again. She's still letting him wander about whenever he wants. Probably washing down scabbers with a couple of birds by now. Harry didn't say anything. He took a deep breath as a relief seeped through him. He had been sure for a moment that those eyes had belonged to the Grim. They set off for the castle once more. Slightly ashamed of his moment of panic, Harry didn't say anything to Ron. Nor did he look left or right until they had reached the well-lit entrance hall. Harry went down to breakfast the next morning with the rest of the boys in his dormitory, all of whom seemed to think the firebolt deserved a sort of guard of honor. As Harry entered the great hall, heads turned in the direction of the firebolt, and there was a great deal of excited muttering. Harry saw, with enormous satisfaction, that the Slytherin team were all looking thunderstruck. <laughs> Do you see his face? said Ron gleefully, looking back at Malfoy. He can't believe it. Oh, this, this is brilliant. Wood, too, was basking in the reflected glory of the firebolt. Put it here, Harry, he said, lying the broom in the middle of the table and carefully turning it so that its name faced upward. People from the Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff tables were soon coming over to look. Cedric Diggory came over to congratulate Harry on having acquired such a superb replacement for his nimbus and Percy's Ravenclaw girlfriend, Penelope Clearwater, asked if she could actually hold the firebolt. No, no, Percy. Nope, not per I'm Percy. No, no, Penny. No sabotage, said Percy heartily as she examined the firebolt closely. Penelope and I have got a bet on, he told the team. Ten galleons to the outcome of the match. Penelope put the firebolt down again, thanked Harry, and went back to her table. Hey Luke, welcome. You might have to re-listen at the beginning. Uh, I think I might have had my mic set to something wrong. I packed it for vacation even though I didn't end up using it, and uh, it got bumped. So hopefully the beginning's fine. Welcome to the good part of the stream. So far they've just uh, had their first practice with Harry on his new broom. Harry, make sure that you win, said Percy in an urgent whisper. I haven't got ten galleons. Uh, yes, I'm coming, Penny. And he bustled off to join her in a piece of toast. How are they going to fit in there? Terrible joke. Are you sure that you can manage that broom, Potter? Said a cold, drawling voice. Draco Malfoy had arrived for a closer look. Crab and Goyle right behind him. 
Yeah, I reckon so, said Harry casually. Got plenty of special features, hasn't it? said Malfoy, eyes glittering maliciously. It's a shame it doesn't come with a parachute, in case you get too near a Dementor. Crab and Goyle sniggered. Pity you can't attach an extra arm to yours, Malfoy, said Harry. Then it could catch the snitch for you. The Gryffindor team laughed loudly. Malfoy's pale eyes narrowed, and he stalked away. They watched him rejoin the rest of the Slytherin team, who put their heads together, no doubt asking Malfoy whether Harry's broom really was a firebolt. At a quarter to eleven, the Gryffindor team set off for the locker rooms. The weather couldn't have been more different from their match against Hufflepuff. It was a clear, cool day with a very light breeze. There would be no visibility problems this time. I'm just going to take that again, because I'm not sure it was super clear. It was a clear, cool day with a very light breeze. There would be no visibility problems this time. And Harry, though nervous, was starting to feel the excitement only a Quidditch match could bring. They could hear the rest of the school moving to the stadium beyond. Harry took off his black school robes, removed his wand from his pocket, and stuck it inside the T-shirt he was going to wear under his Quidditch robes. He only hoped he wouldn't need it. He wondered suddenly whether Professor Lupin was in the crowd, watching. "'You know what you've got to do,' said Wood, as they prepared to leave the locker rooms. "'If we lose this match, we're out of the running. Just—' Just fly like you did in practice yesterday, and we'll be okay. They walked out onto the field to tumultuous applause. The Ravenclaw team, dressed in blue, was already standing in the middle of the field. Their seeker, Cho Chang, the only girl on their team. She was shorter than Harry by about a head, and Harry couldn't help noticing, nervous as he was, that she was extremely pretty. She smiled at Harry as the teams faced each other behind their captains, and he felt a slight lurch in the region of his stomach he didn't think had anything to do with nerves. Wood, Davis, shake hands, Madam Hooch said briskly, and Wood shook hands with the Ravenclaw captain. Mount your brooms on my whistle. Three, two, one. Harry kicked off into the air, and the firebolt zoomed higher and faster than any other broom. He soared around the stadium and began squinting around for the snitch, listening all the while to the commentary, which was being provided by the Weasley twins' friend, Lee Jordan. Shoot, I can't remember what Lee Jordan sounds like. Um, I think he was just sort of, I think he was vaguely American. <laughs> They're off! And the big excitement this match is the firebolt that Harry Potter is flying for Gryffindor. According to which broomstick, the firebolt's going to be the broom of choice for the national teams at this year's world championship. Jordan, would you mind telling us what's going on in the match? Interrupted Professor McGonagall's voice. Right you are, Professor. Just giving a bit of background information. That firebolt, incidentally, was... Oh. The firebolt, incidentally, has built-in auto-break, and... Jordan! Okay, okay. Gryffindor in possession. Katie Bell of Gryffindor heading for the goal. 
Harry streaked past Katie in the opposite direction, gazing around for a glint of gold and noticing that Cho Chang was tailing him closely. She was undoubtedly a very good flyer. She kept cutting across him, forcing him to change direction. Show her your acceleration, Harry! Fred yelled as he whooshed past in pursuit of a bludger that was aiming for Alicia. Harry urged the firebolt forward as they rounded the Ravenclaw goalposts and Cho Chang fell behind. Just as Katie succeeded in scoring the first goal of the match and the Gryffindor end of the field went wild, he saw it. The snitch was close to the ground, flitting near one of the barriers. Harry dived. Cho saw what he was doing and tore after him. Harry was speeding up, excitement flooding him. Dives were his specialty. He was ten feet away. Then a bludger, hit by one of the Ravenclaw beaters, came pelting out of nowhere. Harry veered off course, avoiding it by an inch, and in those few crucial seconds the snitch had vanished. There was a great, oh, of disappointment from the Gryffindor supporters, but much applause for their beater from the Ravenclaw end. George Weasley vented his feelings by hitting the second bludger directly at the offending beater, who was forced to roll over right in midair to avoid it. Gryffindor leads by 80 points to zero. And look at that firebolt go! Potter's really putting it through its paces now. See its turn? Chang's Comet's just no match for it. The firebolt's precision balance is really noticeable in these long... Jordan! Are you being paid to advertise firebolts? Get on with the commentary! Ravenclaw was pulling back. They had now scored three goals, which put Gryffindor only fifty points ahead. If Cho got the snitch before him, Ravenclaw would win. Harry dropped lower, narrowly avoiding a Ravenclaw chaser, scanning the field frantically. A glint of gold, a flutter of tiny wings, the snitch was circling the Gryffindor goalposts. Harry accelerated, his eyes fixed on the speck of gold ahead, but just then Cho appeared out of thin air, blocking him. Harry, they say it's no time to be a gentleman! Wood roared as Harry swerved to avoid a collision. Knock her off her broom if you have to! Harry turned and caught sight of Cho. She was gritting. The snitch had vanished again. Harry turned his firebolt upward and was soon twenty feet above the game. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw Cho following him. She'd decided to mark him rather than search for the snitch herself. All right, then. If she wanted to tail him, she'd have to take the consequences. He dived again, and Cho, thinking he'd seen the snitch, tried to follow. Harry pulled out of the dive very sharply. She hurtled downward. He rose fast as a bullet once more. And then saw it for the third time. He was nearly there. He stretched out his hand, still grasping his wand, and just managed to close his fingers over the small, struggling snitch. Madame Hooch's whistle sounded. Harry turned in midair and saw six scarlet blurs bearing down on him. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. No, 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 no. Something happened there. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on a sec. I, I skipped a page somehow. This is an electronic document. I don't know how I've done this. Okay. Alright. He dived again, and Cho, thinking he'd seen the snitch, tried to follow. Harry pulled out of the dive very sharply. He hurtled downward. 
He rose as fast as a bullet once more, then saw it for the third time. The snitch was glittering way above the field at the Gravenclaw end. He accelerated. So, many feet below, did Cho. He was winning, gaining on the snitch with every second. Then... Oh! screamed Cho, pointing. Distracted, Harry looked down. Three Dementors. Three tall, black, hooded Dementors were looking up at him. He didn't stop to think. Plunging a hand into the neck of his robes, he whipped out his hand. He whipped out his wand and roared, EXPECTO PATRONUM! Something silver-white, something enormous, erupted from the end of his wand. He knew it had shot directly at the Dementors, but didn't pause to watch. His mind, still miraculously clear, he looked ahead. He was nearly there. He stretched out the hand, still grasping his wand, just managed to close his fingers over the small, struggling snitch. Madame Hooch's whistle sounded. Harry turned around in midair and saw six scarlet blurs bearing down on him. Next moment, the whole team was hugging him so hard he was nearly pulled off his broom. Down below, he could hear the roars of the Gryffindors in the crowd. That's my boy! Wood kept yelling. Alicia, Angelina, and Katie had all kissed Harry. Fred had him in a grip so tight, Harry felt as though his head would come off. In complete disarray, the team managed to make its way back to the ground. Harry got off his broom and looked up to see a gaggle of Gryffindor supporters sprinting onto the field. Ron in the lead. Before he knew it, he had been engulfed by the cheering crowd. Yes! Ron yelled, yanking Harry's arm into the air. Yes! Yes! Well done, Harry! said Percy, looking delighted. Ten galleons to me. I must find Penelope. Excuse me. Good for you, Harry, roared Seamus Finnegan. Ruddy brilliant, boomed Hagrid over the heads of the milling Gryffindors. That was quite some Patronus, said a voice in Harry's ear. He turned around to see Professor Lupin, who looked both shaken and pleased. The Dementors didn't affect me at all, Harry said excitedly. I didn't feel a thing. That would be because they... weren't Dementors, said Professor Lupin. Come and see. He led Harry out of the crowd until they were able to see the edge of the field. You gave Mr. Malfoy quite a fright, said Lupin. Harry stared. Lying in a crumpled heap on the ground were Malfoy, Crabbe, Goyle, and Marcus Flint, the Slytherin team captain, all struggling to remove themselves from long, black, hooded robes. It looked as though Malfoy had been standing on Goyle's shoulders. Standing over them, with an expression of the utmost fury on her face, was Professor McGonagall. "'An unworthy trick!' she was shouting. A low and cowardly attempt to sabotage the Gryffindor Seeker. Detention for all of you. Fifty points from Slytherin. I shall be speaking to Professor Dumbledore about this. Make no mistake. Ah, here he comes now. If anything could seal the deal. What? If anything could have set the seal on Gryffindor's victory, it was this. 
Ron, who had fought his way through to Harry's side, doubled up with laughter as they watched Malfoy fighting to extricate himself from the robe. Goyle's head beside it. Come on, Harry, said George, fighting his way over. Party! Gryffindor common room, now! Right, said Harry, and feeling happier than he had in ages, he and the rest of the team led the way, still in their scarlet robes, out of the stadium and back up to the castle. It felt as though they had already won the Quidditch Cup. The party went on all day and well into the night. Fred and George Weasley disappeared for a couple of hours and returned with armfuls of butterbeer, pumpkin fizz, and several bags full of honeyduke sweets. How did you do that? squealed Angelina Johnson as George started throwing peppermint toads into the crowd. With a little bit of help from Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs, Fred muttered in Harry's ear. Only one person wasn't joining in the festivities. Hermione, incredibly, was sitting in a corner, attempting to read an enormous book titled Home Life and Social Habits of British Muggles. Harry broke away from the table where Fred and George had started juggling butterbeer bottles and went over to her. Did you even come to the match? he asked her. Of course I did, said Hermione in a strangely high-pitched voice, not looking up. I'm very glad we won, and I think you did really well, but I need to read this by Monday. Come on, Hermione, come and have some food, Harry said, looking over at Ron and wondering whether he was in a good enough mood to bury the hatchet. I can't, Harry, I've still got 422 pages to read said Hermione, now sounding slightly hysterical. Anyway, he glanced over at Ron, too. He doesn't want me to join in. There was no arguing with this, as Ron chose that moment to say loudly, If Scabbers hadn't just been eaten, we could have had some of those fudge flies. Oh. If Scabbers hadn't just been eaten, he could have had some of those fudge flies. He used to really like them. Hermione burst into tears. Before Harry could do or say anything, she tucked the enormous book under her arm and, still sobbing, ran toward the staircase to the girls' dormitories and out of sight. Can't you give her a break? Harry asked Ron quietly. No, said Ron flatly. If she just acted like she was sorry... But she'll never admit she was wrong, Hermione. She, she's still acting like Scabbers has gone on vacation or something. The Gryffindor party ended only when Professor McGonagall turned upon... Hmm? Oh. The Gryffindor party ended only when Professor McGonagall turned up in her tartan dressing gown and hairnet at one in the morning to insist that they all went to bed. Harry and Ron climbed the stairs to their dormitory, still discussing the match. 
At last, exhausted, Harry climbed into bed, twitched the hangings of his four-poster shut to block out the ray of moonlight, lay back, and fell himself, and felt himself almost ist- good grief. At last, exhausted, Harry climbed into bed, twitched the hangings of his four-poster shut to block out a ray of moonlight, lay back, and felt himself almost instantly drifting off to sleep. He had a very strange dream. He was walking through a forest, his firebolt over his shoulder, following something silver-white. It was winding its way through the trees ahead, and he could only catch glimpses of it between the leaves. Anxious to catch up with it, he sped up, but as he moved faster, so did his quarry. Harry broke into a run, and ahead he heard hooves gathering speed. Now he was running flat out, and he could hear galloping. Then he turned a corner into a clearing, and... Ah! Harry woke as suddenly as though he'd been hit in the face. Disoriented in the total darkness, he fumbled with his hangings. He could hear movements around him, and Seamus Finnegan's voice from the other side of the room. What's going on? Harry thought he heard the dormitory door slam. At last, finding the divide in his curtains, he ripped them back, and at the same moment, Dean Thomas lit his lamp. Ron was sitting up in bed. The hangings torn from one side, a look of utmost terror on his face. Buck! Serious Buck! With a knife! What? Here! Just now! Slashed the curtains! Woke me up! You sure that you weren't dreaming, Ron? said Dean. Look at the curtains! I tell you, he was here! They all scrambled out of bed. Harry reached the dormitory door first, and they sprinted back down the staircase. Doors opened behind them, and sleepy voices called after them. Who's shouting? What are you doing? The common room was lit by the glow of the dying fire, still littered with debris from the party. It was deserted. Are you sure that you weren't dreaming, Ron? I'm telling you, I saw him! What's all that noise? Professor McGonagall's told us to go to bed! A few of the girls had come down the staircase, pulling on dressing gowns and yawning. The boys, too, were reappearing. Excellent! Are we carrying on, then? said Fred Weasley, brightly. Everyone back upstairs! said Percy, hurrying into the common room and pinning his head-boy badge to the pajamas that he wore as he spoke. Percy, serious black, said Ron faintly. In our dormitory, with a knife, he woke me up. The common room went very still. Rachel fell asleep. That's what you get for making a cozy space. Nonsense, said Percy, looking startled. You had too much to eat, Ron. Had a, a nightmare. I'm telling you. No, really, enough is enough. Professor McGonagall was back. 
We slammed the portrait behind her, and she entered the common room and stared furiously around. I am delighted that Gryffindor won the match, but this is getting ridiculous. Percy, I expected better of you. I certainly didn't authorize this, Professor, said Percy, puffing himself up indignantly. I was just telling them all to get back to bed. My brother Ron here had a nightmare. It wasn't a nightmare, Ron yelled. Professor, I woke up and Sirius Black was standing over me, holding a knife. Professor McGonagall stared at him. Don't be ridiculous, Weasley. How could he possibly have gotten through the portrait hole? Ask him, said Ron, pointing a shaking finger at the back of Sir Cadogan's picture. Ask him if he saw... Glaring suspiciously at Ron... Glaring suspiciously at Ron, Professor McGonagall pushed the portrait back open and went outside. The whole common room listened with bated breath. Sir Cadogan, did you just let a man into Gryffindor Tower? Certainly, good lady, cried Sir Cadogan. There was a stunned silence, both inside and outside the common room. You... you did, said Professor McGonagall. But... but the password... He had them, said Sir Cadogan proudly. Had the whole week, my lady. Read them to me off a little piece of paper. Professor McGonagall pulled herself back through the portrait hole to face the stunned crowd. She was white as chalk. Which person? she said, her voice shaking. Which abysmally foolish person wrote down this week's password and left them lying around? There was utter silence, broken by the smallest of terrified squeaks. Neville Longbottom, trembling from head to fluffy slippered toes, raised his hand slowly into the air. That's the end of chapter 13. He has infiltrated. Sirius Black has infiltrated Gryffindor Tower. Yet again, it would appear. Also, yet again, uh, stream has gone to heck, so I hope you guys have been able to hear the last, you know, quarter of this chapter. Uh, if not, I will go back and look at the tapes, see if it's uh, worth redoing. Regardless, I enjoyed it today. Um, thank you for joining me for Spooky Stream, where my face looks strange because my lights aren't on. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, my, the outfit's all different and everything. It's just uh, really mixing things up. I had an excellent trip back, but uh, that's why I'm not quite as ready today. That's all right. I had an excellent trip back home for the holidays. Wonderful time. Got to see family and friends. Ugh. Since I moved out here, um, to the West Coast, I've been back, let's see, probably, 
I feel like it's about a dozen times. Probably less than that. Um, but this trip was top two, top three. Just an excellent time. I felt like I got to see, I got to see people that I wanted to see, and it was good time spent. I didn't feel like I, you know, was sitting around twiddling my thumbs very often. It was just nice. If you've got anything you'd like to talk about from the chapter today, go ahead and put it in chat. Otherwise, I'm just going to uh, introduce you to... Um, let's see. Who's this going to be? I don't know if I want him to be the mascot of the stream. Because I feel like... Man, this... This Ukrainian iron belly egg is just the coolest object. And I love having it around, so I feel like... My Ukrainian iron belly. I should probably give him a name, shouldn't I? Him or her. I wonder if there's a way to tell by examining the egg. Is there some sort of identification spell we can cast here? I love my egg. And so, I feel like I want... Wait, did I call him Ike? I feel like I might have named him Ike. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Um... I really like him. But I want to introduce you to somebody else. Maybe he can be, we'll call him like the secretary of the streams. We'll see. He probably won't like that because uh, he's got uh, a decent bit of pride. Say hello to Snape. Look at him. Look at him in his goofy little pose. Um, this particular Snape is a gymnast. Um, his big thing, I think, would probably be the Olympic rings, um, as you can see. But uh, this is Snape. He was a Christmas gift. Rachel, thank you very much. I also got some, uh, some other interesting gifts, but I'm going to save those, I think, for a different stream. Get a chance to, uh, you know, really, really draw it out. <laughs> I look forward, mm, boy, I look forward to seeing you again next week. Um, I know I'm going to have at least... Hmm, it's going to be at least one Sunday this month? This month? Cass, are you in here? This month where I'm not going to be streaming? Something with the bishops. February? All right. At least one in February where I'm not going to be streaming. Um, I'll keep you guys updated about that. Thank you all for joining me. This is Sidecar Stories, and I am Sam. We are in the midst of, as some of you know, some of you don't, a start-to-finish read-through of the entire Harry Potter series. We are plugging along at an amazing pace. Um, and, of course, I am deeply, deeply enjoying it. I love the characters. Uh, I wish I had some better soundproofing. I might try to, might try to find a way to get some, because I do have some soundproofing material. But I really, I would love to just really lay into some of these characters. And because I live in an apartment, it's a bit of a challenge. We'll see. Anyway, y'all are wonderful. I love you. Thank you very much for joining me, and I hope to see you again next week. Uh, right now, I do my updates on Instagram. I'm thinking of moving away from that, because Instagram just doesn't seem like, you know... Ever since they took away the, uh, the you know, sort of chronological sorting, it's made it tougher for me to announce things in real time. So we'll see.
but it's going to be a wonderful year. I don't have anything big planned, just sort of making, you know, hopefully some improvements on how I get the word out about this and how consistently I'm able to uh, take care of business. And we've been doing one chapter at a time uh, for a little while now, but I would like to get back to two at a time. I think those were good streams. Okay. Have a wonderful night, everyone. Rachel, sleep well. Hopefully you didn't uh, ruin your supper, so to speak, with your, uh, your sleep tonight. Have a wonderful day tomorrow. Have a wonderful week. And uh, you guys have a wonderful semester. Welcome back. I know it doesn't feel like a good welcome, but uh, welcome back to school. I am excited for you to be there because I think learning is amazing. Doesn't feel like it because you do it every day, but uh, I don't know. It's like water. <laughs> if you can develop a taste for it, man, does it taste good. Oh, Rachel says, I hope you love them. I love them, Rachel. I love them dearly. All right, I'm signing off for tonight. Good stream, solid stream. Thank you all for being here. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.